Welcome to the No Palabras podcast. I am Yahan Etsy. I'm Maria Jose. And I am Evelyn, where we center texts by BIPOC writers and creators. Join us as we indulge over our love of books, hold each other accountable to unlearning, and talk shit about things that matter to us. And should matter to you. Welcome back, everyone. Um, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. This is number four. Mm-hmm. I I can't believe how much we talk. (laughs) For four episodes now, yeah. For four episodes, yeah. Which is kind of limiting, to be honest, because trust, we could talk way more. Yeah, that's big. Just go back to our first first episode. (laughs) It was like seven hours long. (laughs) Um, But how are y'all doing? How was y'all's week? Mine was good, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of rainy over here, so it was kind of like a like a bleh week just because of <laughs> yeah. All when the, the sun's not out, yeah. That is. I so love rainy. the rain. It's. I good. like the rain. But not I, I rained over here too. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's been raining. Oh, see, that's beautiful. I I'm okay with rain to that amount, so I'd be really happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like I spent a lot of this week processing and crying on purpose uh and watching shows that make me cry on purpose if that's a thing Mm. um Mm -hmm. yeah because my wife is gone she's in different state so that's the best time for me to do it because you know i don't (laughs) know like i can't do it in front of no one it's fine (laughs) so so yeah i was you know crying on purpose that's fair. Sometimes you just need like a good cleansing cry to just yeah let it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of just to introduce our <laughs> text for the week, um, we'll be talking about chapter five, How to Tame a Wild Tongue um, from Gloria Anzaldúa's book, Borderlands and La Frontera. And just for any of y'all that are not familiar with the book or not familiar with Gloria Anzaldúa, which I feel like at this, like... Where have you been? Yes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's rude. That's rude. But then also just, like, if you have, you know, if you're like, nah, I still... I've been places, but I've never been to this book. Um, Gloria Antetokounmpo, I feel like, has been one of the most influential writers that I have read. Um, I feel that, like, as a brown queer girl who's living amongst many intersections of life, like... She really allowed me to think about my own experience, right, as somebody who is a permanent resident of the borderlands, right? And when we talk about that, like Anzaldúa, which we'll talk about this chapter that talks about borderlands more specifically at another time, um, but she really takes this look at living between borders, right? So the border that she talks a lot about is this idea of, like, within your psyche or like within your identity, thinking about that border like between Mexico and the United States, right? As Chicanx people, like we are inhibitors of this border, right? Maybe some of us physically, but what she's talking about here is within the psyche, right? And so she's very, um, like Lorenzo Dua herself, she's like known for like her contributions to queer theory, intersectionality, and also like queer, feminist, like Chicana literature. Um, She's one of my favorites. Like I've said before, she's one of my girl crushes. And in the chapter that we're reading today, which is chapter five, 
we're really digging into this idea of language and what that means for like Chicanos or Chicanas or even people who I feel like this would apply to a lot of people whose home language isn't English um so I feel like this would relate a lot to people who have recent migration stories or have just like multilingual um like home environments or like growing up environments and of course like I have a lot of thoughts about this chapter obviously I chose it for <laughs> this week for a reason <laughs> um but maybe first if y'all have any starting thoughts of how this chapter went for y'all um I feel like every time I read this chapter I I'm just amazed and reminded of things and um I'm just like yes Ansaldua read us everywhere and I've read this so many freaking times throughout my life now like when you when you were like let's read it I was like I don't even have to <laughs> I, I mean I did but I'm saying like we we I read this a lot um the first time I read this book actually was in a Chicana class and it was my first time being introduced to Ansaldua but then it was a Chicana teacher and she was like, how does it feel to read Spanish to like the white people <laughs> and not understand it and not be translated, right? And not, and I was like, ooh, like I obviously had the advantage because I know how to read Spanish. So I was like, it was my first time being amazed by, by something so subtle, like not subtle, but like in a university setting for a professor to be like, how did it feel to not understand what you were reading because she didn't translate it afterwards and you had to do that work, right? And I was like, si, senora. <laughs> I was like, I didn't have to translate. Anyways, um, right. So that was like my introduction to Asaldua was very much like, like it's like a powerful thing. So for us to be reading this chapter, I think only speaks to that more, right? Yeah, for me, I think um, I actually came upon her book borderlands la frontera like on just like accident like nobody ever told me about her like nobody ever you know i mean i think i had heard the name like around but it wasn't like a big thing for me um but then in college you know i, I love books <laughs> so then i randomly went to uh, a bookstore um in in utah where i used to live um in salt lake and i found borderlands and i was like oh i'm gonna you know obviously i judge a book by its cover <laughs> so i was like oh this is interesting and i kind of like you know read through some of the like pages and stuff and i felt like really connected to it um and i just really i think when i first came like i really enjoyed like the Spanish in it, the poetry, like, I was like, wow, I'm gonna, so that's kind of how I just came upon specifically Gloria and, like, this book, um, and it really, like, resonated with me in general, um, so, yeah, I've also read it, like, three times, <laughs> um, and I feel like I always find something new or something, you know, clicks for me, like, as I go through, like, my growth and like development like there are new things that I'm like oh that makes more sense now right um or new things that I didn't quite grasp at the time of like reading it the last time right 
So I, that's that's what I love about this book that I could reread it and still get new knowledge from it. Right? Exactly. And I also, At different stages yeah. of our lives. Yes. Like yeah. every time I read it, also I feel like that's the same. And actually, this chapter throwback to when I met Yahanetsi is when I came to the book club with like Yahanetsi and some of like her cohort um, members or like classmates. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I love her so much. And they're like, you should join our conversation on chapter five. And I was like, but like, tell me what you want me to say and I will be there. I think that for me, um, the reason that I chose this chapter in particular, instead of choosing like one of the other chapters, especially the conversation about Nepantla, right, is that I feel that every time I revisit language and revisit this chapter that is about language, right, and that is about Spanish and that is about all these other things, I feel like it always really makes me think of how spaces, right, different at different levels, right, the writing of books, the publishing of books, the creating of academic work, the publishing of academic work, like, just existing as a person who is multilingual, how much that is, extends just far beyond this idea of just language, right? So when we look at sort of like the first few pages in the chapter, right, she's really talking about this idea of like speaking English without an accent. And I feel that like that in itself like begins to sort of bring whiteness into the conversation of language, right? It's just like, why is it that there's like a Mexican way of speaking English and that means that it's you basically speaking English with an accent, right? And it's just like, you start thinking about all these things about like, well, why is it a problem that, like why is the quote unquote Mexican accent a problem? But then when you have like British people or people from other like white nations have accents when they speak English, like that's not a problem, right? So then I like you start thinking about all of these ways in which like whiteness and white supremacy infiltrates simple things just like the way you fucking speak, right? Because it's just like, I feel like for me growing up, and maybe I mentioned it here before, but my mom never let me be in ESL classes because of that fear. And it's just like, it's wild that, and I feel like it is sort of true, right? When when I feel like when I was in college and I in, in Spanish classes, cause you know, like my parents are from a rancho. So the way we speak Spanish, like isn't Castilian Spanish. Mm-hmm. So like all these white kids were learning like Castilian Spanish and they would know the proper way of saying stuff. And then I would say stuff cause you know, I, my parents are from El rancho. So that's the Spanish I learned. And it was really weird to be in those classes because I'm just like, uh I'm I don't want to say like I felt uncomfortable because I was just like I know Spanish but I don't speak the white people Spanish that y'all are speaking so it was like opposite to Yahanetsi that sort of had this sort of maybe like empowering experience like in a Spanish class like in college like for me it was like uh let me not like reveal that like I speak a different version of the Spanish we're all trying to speak here. And I don't know if y'all had similar experiences like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I took Spanish, when was it, high school? Maybe like my last couple year, maybe senior, maybe junior year. I don't quite remember, but um, it was like Spanish three because I had like been able to like 
test out of like Spanish one or two because you know I grew up speaking Spanish, <laughs> so I was on Spanish three. Um, but I had this experience with you know, like you said, MJ. Like I didn't really speak like Castellano, you know, Castellano Spanish. Like it's not that's not what I grew up with. Uh, I don't use vosotros, like you know. Um, and so, uh, it was, uh, I had an interesting experience with the teacher and another student. So we were paired off from what I remember, we were paired off and we had to like conjugate verbs in Espanol. And I was like, okay, well, like I was in the class, you know, by that time I was like halfway through the class, so I could conjugate it. But then like, I think at some point it was like a word that I was like, I don't like, what is this? And I'm like, and how do I conjugate it? I don't really know. And so I think, like, the white girl that I was partnered with, she was like, oh, it's the imperfect proper verb or whatever. And I was like, I don't know what, what that means. Like, Wait. what does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So then my teacher, in that exercise, she was, like, obviously, like, walking around and making sure that everyone was doing okay. Um, she legit stopped the class and was like okay so this is the problem with native speakers of spanish that they don't know and i was like bitch i was like was it a white woman was this a white woman no yes i mean who else would teach spanish class like that's also facts if y'all look at a lot of spanish departments at universities Son yeah, españoles so was, most of the time, or little white mm, people that are mm, like, yeah. I love that language. I, and then they wear weepies to class, and you're like, bitch, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> or they go on a mission and come back and teach yeah. Spanish in Utah, Same. at least. Yeah, that's um, the Utah one. So it was like a very, like, in that bitch. moment, I felt very, like, shamed for a second, I think. and and th- But then after I was like, okay, like I've been speaking it my entire life. Like how is this white woman gonna tell me that I should lo- know the imperfect whatever, um, you know? So I, I mean, I didn't say nothing like at that moment, but I did have a conversation with her about it later. Because um, wow. I was like, yeah, no, this is not gonna happen. Like, it ain't working. <laughs> You're no. like, how about you don't publicly shame me right. for speaking a different dialect <laughs> of Spanish? Right. Like, the fuck is wrong with you? And if you really knew the language, you'd know that there's a shit ton of dialects depending right. on the region and where you're from. And the fact that... Anyways, point... <laughs> yes. What, so, what word was it? Do you remember the word? I don't even remember the, what, the word, what the verb was that we were supposed to conjugate. And I, I can't like, even conjugate stuff in English. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah and like I told her like what does conjugate mean (laughs) I was like listen I've been speaking Spanish for my entire life I don't know Spain Spanish so you know like and that's and then after that and then after that I just didn't like continue Spanish like because I was like I'm over white people trying to teach me how to speak my own tongue And that's the thing, right? Like the Spanish they, it's always, it's really interesting because the the Spanish they teach is, is again, very, very fucking proper. And two, sometimes it's like, 
it's not words we grew up with. So, so when I help Akira, my 14 year old with, um, with her Spanish stuff, I get stuff wrong because she's like, that's not what I wrote down. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I don't know that word. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? You speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, I don't speak this Spanish though. I don't know this Spanish. And for me, my experience was different. I didn't take Spanish. I think I've said that before. I took French because I was like, I know Spanish. Why do I gotta take French? Why do I gotta take Spanish? Anyways, I, I don't know French either, if that is helpful. <laughs> Three years of nothing. <laughs> Nada. Great. Anyways. Um, Same. But I, took I French for what? I took Latin. So at least y'all took something that <laughs> oh you could God. speak with people. So. <laughs> You were like, and let's go crazy and have that. Um, Not crazy, but you know, out there. We could literally spend, not that we should, but we could spend the majority of the time talking about just that first part, like you were talking about, right? About the accents and stuff. Um, Because I, funny enough, right? Back then, like, like Hansaluda talks about, they would smack the fuck out of the Spanish of them, right? Like they'd get hit you would get in trouble, like, it was obviously very, very bad. And now, now, motherfuckers are capitalizing off Spanish, sending their little kids and shit to learn Spanish because they know it's like the second fucking biggest spoken language, right? Now, Mm -hmm. that they've beat it out of us, generations-wise, they're like, oh, we found a way to make money, Mm -hmm. so... Now we got to speak it now ourselves, right? Which is like such bullshit. Yeah. But it, it, it was still a thing passed down. Even I, even though like my family wasn't Chicana based, right? Because we didn't grow up here, right? Like my, we were undocumented, so we came, they were the first people here. Anyways, we still grew up with that mentality of like, don't have an accent, which I obviously don't have. Compared to other people, I don't have an accent, right? When I'm talking in English. Spanish, that's where my accent comes out. Um, <laughs> The pocha right. in us. The hell of pocha. <laughs> I am very, my Spanish is so pocha. My mom is like, ¿Por qué no sabes hablar? And I'm just like, I'm sorry. You made me the translator and you expected me to still know Spanish. I'm very confused. <laughs> How you expect? Anyways. And so, yeah, like I, I don't have an accent at all. Right. I've had to tell people I'm Mexican because they don't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I always so get hit that with the... part. The articulate. You're so articulate. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. say what you want to say after that. I'm so articulate for what? For a person that has a nopalote en la frente, huh? You surprised that I can... And so, like, that always, like, <laughs> fucked with me, right? I'm just like, what you... At first, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so articulate. And then afterwards, I was like, that is a microaggression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was not a compliment. And that's sort of, I feel like... You know, we've moved away from the idea uh, or like from the physical beating of Spanish out of us, right? The the Spanish that is ranchero or, you know, a poor people Spanish or a Chicano Spanish or the Spanglish, right? That's no longer physically being beat out of us, but sort of like Evelyn, like you shared, right? in spaces of higher education or of like academia or Mm -hmm. even in professional spaces, right? There is a right way Mm -hmm. and a wrong way now to speak Spanish, right? The Mm -hmm. right way is the Castilian Spanish, the Spanish that's associated with España and the the and the vosotros and all this other random shit. And then like, 
And so then we create the the inferiority of Spanish that belongs to poor people, right? To indigenous folks, like mm -hmm. to working class communities, to those of us who are multilingual, right? And we blur the languages in different ways, right? That we mix the Spanish and the English, right? That becomes to seem like less than. And mm -hmm. we people are publicly shamed for their like not speaking Castilian Spanish. And it's just like, yeah. we might not be physically being beat, but like our relationship to the language gets damaged to the point where we're like, well, is this even something that I should be engaging in because I'm not engaging with the language correctly, right? Yeah. And that's sort of like, I feel like what she talks about in the part of the chapter that's called linguistic terrorism, where we really think about how there is how language is being weaponized to other us as people who are multilingual. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is like also scary, especially I feel like within academic spaces. And that's one of the reasons that I appreciate her merging or blending of both English and Spanish within writing is because like, I've written papers where I use Spanish and English and people are like, don't do this. Where Or where's the translation? Or where is this? And I'm just like, I would have to justify. I was just like, I'm following within a tradition of like queer, like Chicana feminist. Like, I don't believe that you as a white woman should tell me that I have to translate a language just because you don't know it. I'm just like, if you're going to be a professor and if you are a professor who is teaching me to critically engage with theory and with issues of gender race that like you should be able to equally be respectful of the fact that I'm challenging linguistic practices within academic spaces um so you know it's like always also like that justification of mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing this is who I am this is gonna like who I this is how I want to write right all of those things I feel like really illustrate the weaponization of language and mm -hmm. the way we speak and what we say and all this other stuff yeah. um and it's but, happening oh. right now even just on social media right like mm -hmm. it's like an ongoing conversation between like <laughs> what is being called like the no sabo kids right? yes. oh. and like everybody else like <laughs> like it, and it's like it's interesting because language is like tied into our identity and that's what mm -hmm. she talks about too in the book that it's like tied to our identity right and so when we don't have that like then it's kind of like we're not you know Mexican enough or we're not we're not enough right yeah. if we don't have all those parts of us right which so. is already annoying it's already hard enough because at the same it's 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 the it's the lovely contradiction of being a fucking Mexican at this point that's how I see it because it's like translate for your family as a child grow up assimilate and then once you get to the age that you should know that this, how to be a proper mexican uh, no sabes espanol what do you yeah i'm sorry yeah. you raised me this way and yeah. then you expected me to be the other it's very confusing right and i'm not trying to like take it out on our parents and stuff but even like us ourselves right who who are what evelyn's saying doing the same thing shaming ourselves um, shaming each, ugh, shaming each other for that. It's like, what are you doing? Do you 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 know these things? But what are we? Anyways, I'm going on a tangent. But the point is, <laughs> <laughs> the point is, it's very frustrating, right? That's that's my point. It's it's a frustrating yeah. thing to still not feel enough in your own in your own yeah. body, in your own culture, in your own 
you know, Mexicanist, Latin, whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. Because we have we have different identities for those reasons, and so it's just very frustrating. Then she kind of talks about that too. She she talks about like not not necessarily no sabo because that wasn't a thing. Yeah, back then I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no back then. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just I think it's just like you know like the um, idea of bocho or bocha or being yeah you know being now a, that's no sabo kid. Yeah, now that is, but I feel like <laughs> the idea of being bocho is the same thing, or being like a bocha is the same thing, right? This idea that like. You do not have the mastery of Spanish the same way as someone who's actually Mexican or is actually insert X like country identity here, right? And I feel like with this idea of like the yo no sabo kids, like again, like I like Evelyn said, like because language is so tied to identity, now you're excluding a whole group of people who very much still get perceived as Mexican, right? Because this country <laughs> will never see them as white kids just because they don't speak Spanish. But now you're excluding them from being able to have access to their own culture just because of language. And I'm just like, Mexicanos exist outside of Mexico and we exist outside of Spanish. And it's just like, this country already excludes us so much. Why do y'all want to start excluding people within your own community? And I see this a lot with my mom. And I call her out on it. Because, like, we'll go somewhere. And there'll be, like, someone who is, like, seemingly Chicanex. And, like, they won't speak Spanish. And my mom is just like, ¿Cómo no va a hablar español? Tiene el pinche no palote en la frente. Y no me puedes hablar español. Like, you see me over here struggling. And I'm like... No, mom, like, that's a reality for some people. Like, some people's parents, like, it was a survival thing. Like, you didn't teach your kids mm-hmm. Spanish because it's just, like, in this country, you had to be as passing as American as you could be. Because I think that there, the conversation doesn't become about whiteness or not, right? I think, which, American is a side to whiteness, right? But I feel like it's more nuanced to think about the citizenship <laughs> portion mm-hmm. of it because it's just, like, as people who come here, I feel like for my parents, they came here undocumented, right? They're still undocumented, right? It's just like for them, it was really scary for their children to be perceived as someone who was also undocumented for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like my parents were like, if our kids are as American as they can be, then our kids won't get targeted as being the wetbacks, the illegals, mm-hmm. the beaners, which that still happens. So I'm like, Mama, you, yeah. um, it still happens. You're like, you did not I'm save like, me. You did not save me from nothing. <laughs> and, it, and when I was growing up, I grew up in a Latinx community, y'all. And people mm-hmm. were still out here using wetback and beaner and spick as a derogatory term towards me because I was in the English only classes and they're just like you're just and I'm like "Ah." at the moment I was just sad I was like I don't fit nowhere but now I'm just like dang it was my own community who was making me feel like an outsider and it was because of this idea of like authenticity right are you Mm -hmm. authentically Mexicano or Mexicana right because mm-mm but that whole thing, See, I'm like, that's hilarious. I mean, that's not hilarious. It's like a ha ha ha, <laughs> sad face. But like, it's like laugh through our trauma. I know. I'm like, dang. Laugh. Yep. That's what we do. Laugh in the trauma. Um, and that's literally like my life too, right? Like I, I was undocumented, raised and raised in the same, similar things. We, I grew up around a lot of Latinos. Like, I grew up in Glendale. There was a lot of fucking. I didn't see white people till I got to high school, pretty much. 
like that amount of white people in, in Utah. And I know that's that's really hard for some people to believe, but like I was surrounded by people who spoke Spanish and who looked like me. Um, and so anyways, speaking to what you're saying, Maria, same, I was raised in the same way, but the difference for me was, it, it was really hard because I was undocumented, but I was still told I was not enough as a Mexican. But it was like, but I, I'm like, but I, 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 but I, I'm undocumented. Like I came from Mexico, like I was there last year, right? <laughs> type, type, um, casi, casi. But I think as I got older, my assimilated more, blah, 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 se me quito, right? Like my Mexicanness went away, right? Because I was taught to assimilate, because I was taught to get rid of the accent and be as white as possible, which is very easy with my lovely light skin. Um, and so again, I did not fit as a Mexican for such a long time, right? I did not claim, I claim being Mexican, but I didn't claim Chicana, I didn't, none of those things. And it was because my family forced me to assimilate. But then, and so, 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 tenemos esa parte, right? But then the other part was like, I'm undocumented. <laughs> I was undocumented for good almost 30 years of my life. And so it was really hard to be like, you're not actually Mexican enough because of all these like lovely things that we just named, but also like you're not a US citizen. So like, you're not actually an American. So I like had nowhere to fit because I'm like, I have assimilated enough to survive, to thrive, to, be alive in this in this country but i wasn't i never fit in either sides because I, i i had erased pretty much all of me and so it's it's like yo nunca era la persona that you saw and was like oh tiene la nopal en la cara because that nopal, that nopal is not in my cara according to a lot of people including mexicans <laughs> right and so it, it took me a long time to be like i am mexican i'm chicana it took me a long time to accept that or internalize that in my in myself because my own people told me I wasn't, a, a, a lot of people tell me I'm not. And, and I'm just like, fuck y'all. I get to identify what I am now. Anyways. Um, y'all don't dictate me. Y'all don't dictate yeah, me. Yeah, you can't tell dictate. me who I am. <laughs> yes. And actually yes. with the whole Chicano conversation or the Chicane conversation, I feel like when I went to college, that's when I realized that being Chicane was a thing. And I would come back and my mom, I would be like, yeah, like, there was something that I'm just like, oh, I'm like Chicane or something. Or I had something on my room that was like Chicane or like Chicana or whatever. <laughs> and my mom's like, it is Mexicana. And I'm just like, because being Chicano to my parents, like, was a, bad, a bad thing. thing. Yeah. And she, mm -hmm. my mom was just like, we don't, that's not a good thing to say. Like, being Chicano means that you're like not really mexican and then i was just like oh and then you know i resorted to my little <laughs> books and i was just like no like this is who i am like this is how i identify because like i felt like mexican never felt right because i lived in the united states and i grew up in america and then like american i was like i'm not doing that we're not doing that that's not and so then when chicana came up and then i used mexican american for a while but then again claiming the americanness and i was like i don't like that And so when Chicana came up, I was just like, this fits. But even that was something that was just like, maybe. And my mom was like, uh, maybe don't use that. And I was like, leave me alone. I do what I want. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to share sort of a quote that's um, at the end of the little portion of linguistic terrorism. Um, that sort of, for me, it, well, this is like a quote that gets like heavily quoted by Andaldo. Yeah, yeah, Hanessi has it highlighted. <laughs> I was going to say yes, that one. <laughs> um, but it reads, 
Um, I will no longer be made to feel ashamed of existing. I will have my voice, Indian, Spanish, white. I will have my serpent's tongue, my woman's voice, my sexual voice, my poet's voice. I will overcome the tradition of silence. For me, this was, this is not my favorite quote out of the chapter. I'll share my favorite quote here in a little bit. Um, but it sort of encompasses a lot of the work that we are even doing in this conversation, right? Really talking about like, not allowing these sort of microaggressions, or I would even say like colonizer mentality that a lot of these Spanish professors be having and like <laughs> allowing our language, whether pocha, whether not pocha, whether Spanglish, you know, I like to say that Texan and California Spanish is very different, right? All of these different dialects so that we don't let them die because just because they don't exist the way that whiteness wants them to exist, that doesn't mean that they're not correct mm -hmm. or that they're not legitimate, you know? Uh, because we are here, we're speaking the language however the fuck we want to, <laughs> and I can understand y'all and y'all can understand me. And if I didn't know something that y'all were saying, like we had sort of last episode, right, when we were talking about apapachando, like, we're in a space where we feel comfortable enough with each other where we're like, hey, I've never been exposed to that word, but can you let me know what that means? And I feel that like that in itself is like really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, and you know, with language and all, like the only, first of all, the only reason that we know um, other like white people are learning the language is because they're trying to do, it's a white savior mentality shit, right? Like we know that, some of the marginalized communities tend to be Spanish speakers. So now, now it's an aprendiendo because they're like, ooh, we gotta look good and help the people that need the help, right? So there's that, and so there's that. And, and they learn the Spanish and they, they help the poor people. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But I, <laughs> personally, that's what they yes. want yes. But personally, mm -hmm. I think it's like that, I've always, I always go back to this thing of, what I've seen, at least, is my mom always taught us, like, yes, cool, que, que, se, que sepan español and shit, but, like, I'm still going to trust somebody who looks like us more than them, even if they're speaking yeah. Spanish, right? So, like, that's another reason for us not to lose our language is because, like, if we want to actually make the help and do the help and talk to the people and get over our, our fear of that shame and shit that we've been talking about of sounding pocha, like, at the end of the day, they're going to trust us more. That's how I've seen it. That's my own experience. Mm -hmm. But like, it's what I've also been taught, right? I feel more comfortable with somebody who, who looks like me and is speaking my language in a place of like 300 of the white people than I am going to feel with a white person talking Spanish to me. I'll be like, hey, you, you're not on your mission. Okay, don't talk to me in Spanish. I don't know you, right? But like, if it's another Latino or Latina, Chicanx, a per just a person who speaks Spanish like and is of Latin descent, I'll be like, oh, cool. No estamos solas, <laughs> you know? Um, so there's that. But then also translating academic jargon <laughs> to Spanish is very, very actually difficult, right? And I think that's one of the, the things that bother me about assimilating to this extent and like being thrown into this world of surviving in, in the English world. I don't know how to translate these things that are necessary for our communities to know now. Like mm -hmm. I can tell, I can be like, oh, go find resources at key. Like, you know, I, like I can tell them where to go, but I can't really explain the root, the why, the how. Right? I can I can translate to an extent, but I can't. 
I can't like explain it in a way that they're going to understand because I don't know how to do that. That's where I'm all fucked up. And that's what most of that's that's how I am. And that's most of the conversations I want to have most of the time with my family, at least, or with with people I care about. Right. That don't truly understand what's happening. I'll be like, this is racist. And they'll be like, how is it racist? And I'll be like, oh, I could tell you in English. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fuck, if I could tell you in Spanish, I'm like, oh, I just see that for for colorism. Ooh, what the hell is colorism? Like there's so there's so many like gaps. And even then. We know that once we enter academia, we are considered, like, como se dice? It's, again, that stupid contradiction of go to college and then, but they're like, we're traitors. Um, <laughs> it's the, mm-hmm. come on, somebody give me the word. It's, you uh, know what I'm saying. I'm like, um, I know what you're saying. I know what it's you're saying, but like I can't think of, of the word. I think that for my parents, it's like, oh, like, just because you went, or like, not my parents, but like, I've had this conversation with other people that are like, Oh, now that you went to school, you feel like you're better than us. So now you're mm-hmm. trying to educate us. It's just like yeah, there's you, a word for that, yeah, right? There's gotta I, be a yeah, word. Yes, there has to be. I I think there I know. is. Pero no me acuerdo. I don't remember. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's it's that thing again of like go to college because we need you to get education. But then we go to college and then we come back and we try to be you know like and and they're like no, you think you're better than us. Yeah. And I'm like wait, no, 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 no. You told us to do this. Perate, way. You told us to do this. Why you? Why are you coming at us sideways now? Not the point. But we, we already know that that's there too, right? So it's like trying to constantly navigate two worlds, which is all what this book is about. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And it's very, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's why she wrote it. Because she was mm-hmm. like, hey, why is nobody talking about this? Yes. And so it's, it's, very, it's very like identity crisis all, all of our lives it's it's like we don't i don't I, i'm sorry i won't speak for you all it's like i don't know when i'm right and when i'm wrong and therefore i am never enough for myself or other people or or i'm making mistakes constantly right yeah yeah well it's hard to be in that space of like two worlds right of like having to navigate one you know regardless of what we're doing whether that's like academia or anything else right and then having to navigate in la casa with our families right and with like community so it's really hard and it is part of that like identity and I think it's like also I think whenever we talk about that it's like in relation to whiteness you know right because I feel like whiteness dictates in some ways not all the ways like who we are and what we should consider ourselves right and so Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that that's kind of like the starting point of like okay well I know I'm not white but whiteness (laughs) changes sometimes right it fluctuates and so I feel like in some sense it's like that yeah that's the way you talked about navigating but then also being like okay where is whiteness at this moment in time and where am I related to at this moment in time yeah. Uh, you were going to share your quote, Maria. Yeah, so I feel like this sort of brings everything like sort of together, which this is my favorite quote um, from this book in general. I have it on my IG bio. I plan on having it tattooed on my body one day. Not the I'll tell you all the part I want tattooed on my body, but this is sort of <laughs> the context, right? So this is this is on page 76 for those of you that are going to follow along with your books. <laughs> Um, and it goes as follows. El anglo con cara de inocente nos arrancó la lengua. Wild tongues cannot be tamed. They can only be cut out. 
So for me, this is really important because like the the Anglo here is the white, whatever you want to insert, right? Whiteness, white supremacy, white standards of linguistic hierarchies. Um, insert that like nos arrancaron la lengua, right? And then the following quote, right? Wild tongues cannot be tamed. So it's just like our language, our culture, our customs, our being are not going to be subject to being washed down, watered down the way that whiteness wants us to be, right? So we cannot be tamed. We as a people, the fact that we are here speaking the language the way that we do, like that in itself is defiance and is resilience and is a revolution in itself because we are going against sort of these, uh, I would say like, standards of what we should be right and then the last portion that says they can only be cut off right is literally like even when whiteness tries to strip us down of everything that we might have it's just like the only way that they will ever silence us is literally by taking away our ability to speak right our power is not given it's taken away when they tell us like you're not mexican enough or you're not speaking spanish properly right like we are still holders of our power and the only way that they can take away this power is literally by taking away our ability to exist and to me this reminds me like when i am like in a low point or when i don't think good about myself like thinking about this quote really allows me to remember the resilience that my ancestors have gone through right literally like we fought until we couldn't right like we fought to preserve like our culturas and we're still fighting today right against mm -hmm. all of these different or all of these things that were left from colonization because mexico is still fighting to undo colonization or try to come back like the colonizers like all the shit that they did to our country, right? So it's like, this quote to me is like very important because it's literally like, as long as I'm breathing, there's a fight in me. Um, mm. And so that is my favorite quote. Um, I think it's really powerful. Um, but yes. Were you getting it tattooed? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, where is it gonna, what part? Um, where? <laughs> so like on one of my arms, like I want con el nopal en la frente because I feel like that is a reminder for me of like the donde vengo um, and however I want my nopal to look like it will look like if it's a pocho nopal it'll be fine and so I want the wild tongues like I have this painting that's like a nopal mouth with like a tongue sticking out so I sort of want that tattooed with the quote around it with the wild tongues cannot be uh, tamed they can only be cut off that portion going around it um cute yes <laughs> Cool. Also, like, yeah, you would. I love that. Yeah. You would in a good way. You would in a good way. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> but yes, um, I thank y'all for wanting to discuss this chapter with me because there's a lot of chapters that we could discuss. And I know that this chapter in itself still talks about way more than we discussed here. Mm -hmm. um, and we can go into this chapter and have a whole hours-long discussion. But I thank y'all for joining us to read this uh yes and also the poetry in the back <laughs> Johannes, he was showing us that there's like um a there's poem one called no palitos, palitos. Yes. we should read it yes um sorry you were saying no no, no but i was just saying thank y'all for joining me in this conversation thank you to our listeners for also joining along hopefully y'all follow mm -hmm. along with your books 
And y'all actually read this chapter. Um, hopefully we'll do another chapter from this book at a different time. But we for now, y'all should like the episode, share it with your friends, rate us so that these different platforms push us out to more people. And of course, follow us on all of our social media platforms will be linked in the episode description. And join us next time for our next conversation um, because they're always super good. We always talk about really good things that should be making you think about other things. Um, Because we're really, yeah, we're out here trying to start these uncomfortable conversations. But I hope that y'all are enjoying this journey that we are on. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) See y'all next time. This was another episode of No Palabras Podcast. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. Make sure to catch us every two weeks for new episodes. Subscribe and rate us. Also follow us on Instagram at nopalabras.pod for updates and to continue the conversation. If you have questions, comments, and or book suggestions, you can email us at nopalabraspodcast at gmail.com. See y'all next time here at No Palabras Podcast, where we are a veces sin palabras, pero siempre palabreando con amor.